0: Good morning, my name is Andrew Brown and I am the Director of Youth Ministry here at New Life. And one of the things that I've noticed over the past two months, I've only been here for two months now, one of the things I've noticed about the youth is that they particularly enjoy Marvel movies. And if you aren't familiar with what that is, Marvel movies are based upon the Marvel comic books, so think like Spider-Man, Captain America, uh, Iron Man, think along those lines. Lines, but one of the Marvel movies that came out recently was about a less known character in the Marvel universe named Stephen Strange or Doctor Strange, and this movie was really interesting and it explored the idea of healing, maybe even spiritual healing. And if you're unfamiliar with the story, Stephen he is this uh, he's this brilliant but very very arrogant neurosurgeon neurosurgeon and early in the movie he gets into this brutal car accident and he's no longer able to use his hands in any capacity and this just crushes him it destroys who he thinks he is his value his worth and so he's set on this kind of fanatical search to find healing But nothing seems to work. He seeks out these expensive, these experimental treatments, but nothing can cure him. And as these treatments continue to disappoint him, Stephen goes further and further down into despair. He becomes more and more depressed, isolated, and cynical. And he's left alone wondering if anything can make him well again. Now there's a lot more that goes on in the movie, but I actually find this opening kind of scene, this opening part of the movie to be the most compelling part of the movie. And I think it's compelling because we've all gone through something similar to what Stephen is going through. We've all wondered the same thing. Is there anything that can heal me? Maybe not necessarily of a physical impairment, but maybe something deeper. Can I be healed of my past? Can I be healed of my anger? Is there anything that can heal me from my addictions? Can I be made well again after what happened last night, or last week, or last year? Can I truly be healed? Well, this morning we're going to be looking at a story from the Gospel of Mark about another man who was seeking healing and found it in Jesus Christ. And I think as we go through his story, we can find hope for our own, that there is a way for you and I to be healed. So if you have your Bibles, please flip over to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, there is one in the chair in front of you. And the passage that we're looking at will be on page 488. I'll also have it up on the screen. Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 40 through 45. Please stand for the reading of God's word. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone but go show yourself to the priests, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I ask this morning that you would send your Spirit upon us, that we might be healed. Only you can make us well, and so we ask that you would come and do something that only you can do. In Christ's name we ask this. Amen. You can be seated. So leprosy was a terrible, terrible disease. It's not something we hear much about today, though a form of it does still exist. It's a little bit different than it was uh, back then. It's called Hansen's disease today. But we don't interact with leprosy all that much. And so it's hard to get a full grasp of what's going on in this story without understanding what it would have been like back then to have leprosy and so I often like to think about leprosy I like the way it just kind of I categorize it in my mind is the effects of leprosy and there are three effects of leprosy first are obviously the physical effects of leprosy these are the ones we're most familiar with and I'm going to show a few pictures of people who have leprosy today and they are not um, not nice pictures to look at And so I just want you to be ready for that. But I think looking at uh, people like this can help us get a better understanding of this story. So here are a few pictures of people with leprosy. And what leprosy does to you is it rots your skin. It it turns your skin white. You eventually develop scales and sores that swell and blister all over your body. Eventually, the disease makes its way down into your bones. And so you lose feeling in your limbs. And uh, oftentimes, things fall off your body. So your fingers begin to fall off. You can see one of those examples. Hair falls out. Even teeth and eyeballs can fall out because of leprosy. And so it is just a terrible disease. Imagine what these people must go through. Imagine what it would be like to have your body just fall apart before your eyes. But as I said back then, leprosy affected more than just your body. Leprosy also had huge social effects some forms of leprosy can be contagious especially in children and so people were afraid of getting this disease. They were very afraid of getting this disease. They were very afraid of their children getting this disease. So some of them would carry rocks around in their pockets to throw at lepers, to keep them at a distance. And so because of this, lepers had to to let everyone know that they were a leper so that someone didn't accidentally come down with leprosy. Leviticus 13, 45 and 46 says this, the leprous person who has the disease Shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So just think of what that would have been like. I can't think of almost anything more embarrassing than having to go into a marketplace and cover my mouth, and cry out, unclean, unclean, to everyone around me. It would have been so shameful, so humiliating for that person. And then last of all, leprosy also has spiritual effects. Leprosy made a person ceremonially unclean. In this state, you could not enter the presence of God like everyone else. So you couldn't participate in the ceremonies, You couldn't participate in the feast. You couldn't participate in the regular worship of the Lord with the people of God. You had to live outside the camp, away from the presence of God and his people. Again, just imagine what that would be like, to feel like you couldn't draw near to God, that you couldn't relate to him like everyone around you. Leprosy, as I said, was a terrible disease, and there was no escaping it. In the story we read today, when the when we see the the leprous man come running to Jesus, he knows exactly what needs healing, right? Every day he looks down at his hands, every every time he remembers that he can't be with his family, every time he would catch a glimpse in the mirror, he would be reminded of his condition. There was no hiding it. Leprosy was easy to diagnose. But for us, it's not always so easy. Our problems can often be quite difficult to diagnose. In, in fact, we often misdiagnose them. We settle for surface answers that never get to the bottom of our true problem. And when we do that, we never get healed. So the first thing we're going to look at this morning, in order to find healing for our lives, is we have to have a right diagnosis. Healing requires the right diagnosis diagnosis. Throughout the Bible, uh, leprosy is frequently used as something of a, a metaphor or a symbol or a picture of sin. So what physical leprosy does to the body, those pictures that we looked at, what physical leprosy does to the body was meant to help us explain what sin does to our soul. So, for example, listen to how King David describes his sin in Psalm 38. This is him talking about his sin. He says this, There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me to carry my wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness i am utterly bowed down and prostrate all day i go about mourning for my sides are filled with burning and there is no soundness in my flesh my friends and companions stand aloof from my plague and my nearest kin stand far off so look at what david is doing there he's describing his sin in a way that makes it sound like leprosy. There's no health in his bones, wounds that stink and fester, his sides filled with burning and his friends not getting near him. It's almost like David, when he was writing this psalm, was looking out and looking at a leper and saying, that's, that's like me. And if you think about it, there are really a lot of parallels between sin and leprosy. So I've got a few up here. How is sin like leprosy? Well, they both destroy. Leprosy slowly eats away at your body. Well, sin does the same thing. Think about holding a grudge. Think about refusing to forgive someone. slowly that begins to eat at you and it destroys you from the inside. Sin and leprosy, they both spread. Uh, In a sense, they are contagious. Obviously, sin is not contagious in the same way that leprosy is, but we can look at other people's sins and say, you know what, I could do that too. I could participate in that same sin. So they both spread. They both numb. I already mentioned that you lose feeling in your hands or other parts of your body, and so lepers would often touch fire and not realize it. There was no pain sensation, and so they would burn off their hands or cut off limbs. Well, I think the same thing can happen to us with sin. When we feel the Spirit's conviction about a particular issue, we feel uh, the Spirit convicting us about what we watch on TV or, or what we look at on the Internet or what we say when we're around our friends. And the Spirit convicts us of that, but sometimes we can just push that voice away. We can kind of numb out the Spirit's voice in our life. And what starts to happen? We don't recognize how much that is affecting us and destroying us. Uh, Sin and leprosy, they both defile. They make us unfit to be in God's presence. They both isolate Uh, Lepers had to live by themselves, away from everyone else. Well, sin wants to do the same thing. It wants to drive us away from one another. That prevents us from having true community. And then finally, sin and leprosy, they both kill. They both lead to death in the end, and they are incurable apart from Christ. And so when the Bible talks about leprosy, it should be like a window into your own soul. You should be able to say with David, that's what my soul is like because of my sin. That's what I look like on the inside. Now that's a lot easier said than done, right? To actually have that idea of yourself. Because the truth is we often have a very hard time seeing ourselves the way the Bible describes us. And it's kind of like when you when you hear your own voice on a recording. You know, if you've been taped on a video and, and then you, you hear it played back for yourself and you just hear yourself and you go, that doesn't really sound like me, right? That's not the way I, I really am. And then you ask that to other people and they're like, nope, that's, that's totally how you sound. Sometimes it's just hard to accept ourselves for who we actually are. Well, I think the same can be said with our spiritual condition. We have a hard time accepting how bad our sin really is, even when everyone else around us can recognize it. So we need to help each other here. We need to be asking one another to help us see ourselves as we truly are. So just as a practical step for this, why not take some time this week, sit down with your spouse, a really good friend, um, somebody that you trust well, sit down with them and ask them in all seriousness, hey, is there anything in my life that I'm not recognizing? Is there a sin or an area in my life that you see that I'm maybe just blind to, that I'm not able to pick up here? I think if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to receive that kind of correction from another person, I think it can have a a transformative effect on your life. It could help you see your condition like you've never seen it before. And I think when we start to see the leprosy in our souls, see ourselves as we truly are, then it's going to change our perspective on what truly needs to change and what needs to be healed In our lives so we'll we'll finally have the right diagnosis to start dealing with our problems so we need the right diagnosis but secondly we also need the right cure not only the right diagnosis we go back to mark 1 we learn that this this leper was very desperate he may have tried countless treatments but nothing had worked for him perhaps uh, he had kind of given up hope that he even could be healed we're not sure But something happened. Something happened where he heard about Jesus. He heard about him from someone else. Maybe he saw him from afar. But he heard what Jesus was doing and something moved in his heart. Jesus was healing people in miraculous ways. And maybe for the first time in years, this man thought, why not not me? You know, if Jesus healed them, maybe he could heal me too. And so he came to Jesus with a reckless abandon. He took a huge risk here. He broke all the common leprosy laws at that time. He He doesn't cover his face. We don't see him doing that. We don't see him running up saying, unclean, unclean. He doesn't keep his distance from Jesus. Instead, he runs up to Jesus. He throws himself at his feet and he says, if you will, you can make me clean. These are amazing words of faith by this man. He knows that Jesus can make him well, but he also knows that the decision ultimately belongs to Jesus. He doesn't demand healing here. He says, if you will, it is your will. It is up to Jesus. And yet he also knows enough about Jesus. He's heard about Jesus' power. He's heard about Jesus' compassion. He knows enough about Jesus to believe that Jesus is not going to rebuke him to believe that Jesus is not going to throw stones at him, to believe that Jesus is not going to cast him away like other people had done. He came to Jesus believing that he could be healed, believing that he could be made well again. Now, at this point in the story, it's almost an incredibly tense moment so I just want you to, for a second, just picture yourself being there. Picture that you're just standing in the crowds and you're actually seeing all of this take place before you. I think it would have been uh, almost shocking to be there. I mean, didn't this leper know who Jesus was? Doesn't he know how holy Jesus is? How unfit he is to be in his presence? And now all the eyes are turning to Jesus. What is Jesus going to do here? How is Jesus going to respond? We see this in verse 41 and 42. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. This is an incredible, incredible thing that happened here Jesus's response to the leper was almost more shocking than the leper's request Uh, you can almost hear the crowd's reaction as Jesus slowly reaches out his hand to touch if this was done in a movie it would be done in slow motion but you could hear almost the crowd's response you could hear the gasp, the I cannot believe that he's doing that Everyone was shocked. And at that moment, the questions, they probably turned away from the leper and they turned to Jesus. Didn't Jesus realize what kind of person this was? Doesn't Jesus know what could happen to him now? What is he thinking? Well, verse 40, 41 actually tells us what Jesus is thinking. It says that he was moved with pity. He was filled with compassion for this man. He felt this man's pain. He felt his suffering and it brought an emotional response deep in the soul of of our Savior. Jesus was so moved with pity that he reached out his hand to touch this man. He touched the untouchable. But then something miraculous happened here and this would have been the most shocking thing of all. Instead of Jesus becoming infected with this man's disease, The purity of Christ infected, in a sense, this man, and he was healed. Verse 42 says the leprosy immediately left him. The mere touch of Christ's hand had cured him. And now the crowd, when this happened, they must have marveled. You probably could have heard the gasps once again when the man was healed. And then you probably would have heard cheering and celebration of some sort. But I think you would have heard one man above them all. I think for years this leper had, had to yell out, unclean, unclean. I just imagine that now, after he has been cleaned, I would hear him yelling, I'm clean, I'm clean. And if you think about it, this was probably the first time someone had touched this man in years. And Jesus, he didn't have to do it jesus could have just spoken one word with his mouth and this man would have been clean but jesus intentionally stretches out his hand to touch him just think of what that touch the the touch of jesus meant to this man it restored his humanity it showed him that he was not worthless that he was loved that he was accepted that his life had a purpose his life had a meaning And you know, if you're sitting here this morning and you've ever felt like that leprous man in his disease, uh, perhaps you're feeling it right now. You're feeling worthless or that you don't belong uh, or that you don't have a purpose in life. If you've ever felt like that, well, then I'm here to tell you that just as Jesus reached out his hand and touched that leper and made him well, he can do the same thing for you. He can reach into your life and heal you in an instant. Jesus is the cure that you need. And when you see the leprosy in your own soul and you see how sin has ruined your life and you come to Jesus by faith and you implore him, if you will, you can make me clean, Jesus will have compassion on you as well. He will have pity on you. He he understands what sin has done to you He understands the suffering and the pain it has brought into your life. And he has a deep emotional response in his soul. If you will come to Jesus by faith, he won't cast you out, he won't throw you aside. He will reach out his hand, he will touch you, and he will make you clean. So, to find healing in our lives, we need the right diagnosis, we need the right cure but we also need the right payment. And that's the third point here this morning, maybe. <clears throat> okay, just trust me that it's, it's there. <laughs> I don't know if you're anything like me, but I really do not like going to the doctor's office. I've had enough bad experiences there to make the, the, the trip completely undesirable. But the thing I dislike the most about going to the doctor is the bill that arrives in my mailbox a few weeks later. Healing requires payment. Somebody has to pay for us to get cured. And this is true of our spiritual condition as well. If you go back to the story, we see in verse 43, Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone but go, show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses had commanded. So Jesus here is telling this leper two different things. He's saying, don't tell anybody and go show the priests what's happened to you. Now, he tells them to go to the priest because this is what the book of Leviticus commanded. There's actually commands in the book of Leviticus for what to do if you get cleansed or you get healed of your leprosy. And one of those things was to go to the priest and show them so that they could confirm it. And the purpose of that was so that you could be restored back into society once the priest confirmed it. So this man could now go back into a town. He could buy new clothes. He could talk to his friends. He could hug his kids and his wife if he had them. But just think about that. After this man has been healed, what do you think everyone would be asking him? How did you get healed? What happened? And yet Jesus told him not to tell anybody. Just imagine how difficult that would have been. Well, how'd you get healed? Uh... Not quite sure, <laughs> tripped, and then is just healed. I mean, what, what, what would you say to people at that moment? It would have been so difficult for this man to keep quiet. And yet, it is always better to obey Jesus, even if it is difficult, or even if you don't quite understand why he is telling you to do so. Because look what happens next. Look what happens in verse 45. But he went out again and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. So because this man could not keep his mouth shut, Jesus is now no longer able to enter the towns. And that's a big deal. In the section right before this, so Mark 1, 35 through 39, Jesus is by himself praying. He's just got done healing a lot of people, and now he's by himself praying, and the disciples are looking for him. Everybody's looking for him because they want him to do more healings. They want him to heal more people. And so when the disciples finally come to Jesus, they say, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus has a very interesting response to them. In verse 38, this is what Jesus says Jesus said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. So Jesus is saying, I'm willing to heal people, and I'm going to do that from time to time, but what I want to do is to go from town to town preaching the gospel. That's the reason Jesus came, so that people could know the good news about God's kingdom. But now, because this former leper, he couldn't keep quiet, Jesus can no longer do that. He can no longer openly enter a town. In fact, it says Jesus was put out into desolate places. And here we see a great reversal, right? At the beginning of the story, the leper was the one who was not able to enter the towns. And now, it is Jesus who is forbidden. At the beginning of the story, it's the leper who lived out in the desolate places, and now it's Jesus. There's a reversal going on. And I think in that reversal, we get a glimpse of the gospel. In a sense, Jesus takes this leper's place. He now has to endure some of the effects of leprosy that this man Had gone through to heal this man jesus had to be willing to pay the price and this is what jesus is willing to do for you and i as well you see the hand that reaches out to touch us the hand that reaches out to heal us it is a blood-stained hand to heal you of your spiritual leprosy jesus had to endure the consequences of sin and the consequences of sin are death and separation from God. When Jesus went to the cross, he took the leprosy of our souls upon himself. He paid the price for our sins so that you and I could go free, so that you and I could be healed. And I think this idea is beautifully summarized in Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed.